I'd just like to reassure you that has nothing to do with the fact that ABBA are Swedish. Uh, they're good lines, aren't they, though? All the things I could do if I had little money, it's a rich man's world. Well, today is the first uh, of a series of six sermons uh, about money, so let's pray together now. Father, pray that you would help us to understand your word, the breadth of what it says about money, and uh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to work out these things in practice for Jesus' sake. Amen. Did you know that Jesus taught more about money than about any other subject? He taught more about money than he did about heaven, more about money than he did about hell. Eleven of his 39 parables uh, are on the area of money. And uh, as Luke, as he wrote his gospel and recorded many of these things, he seems to have a particular interest in it. So if you wanted to do some kind of preparation for the coming uh, couple of weeks, then it may well be a good idea to read Luke's gospel. Um, but the really important thing about money is actually it's an iceberg because there's actually far more underneath the surface than there is that you can see. Money is uh, a thing which brings blessings and enjoyment and advantages and genuine pleasure and joy, but then at the same time is also an opportunity for covetousness, for greed, for fear, to develop cravings for safety and security, uh, and uh, to, to develop a, a love of prestige and control. It can be addictive. Money can be destructive. And it affects us all, doesn't it? So you get your credit card bill, and you get that sinking feeling as you see you're near, you're near the credit limit, and you're wondering if you're ever going to pay it off. Or maybe you're renting your home, and you've got a relatively low income, and you feel there's actually no hope of ever actually owning a home. Does that matter? Or maybe you're an empty nester, and for the first time in 30 years, you've got some spare cash. What are you going to do with it? Or maybe you've got a young family, there's one income and it's all a bit of a struggle. Or maybe you've just uh, uh, been told you've, had a, you've got a small inheritance coming your way. And that's going to make all the difference in your struggle against debt. Well, money, it affects us all uh, and in lots of different ways. Uh, and it's a bigger, much bigger subject than the traditional church sermon on money, which is, which is uh, titled giving. That is the last time that word is going to be used this morning. We're not talking about giving. So let's see what God says about money. The, uh, the good, the bad, and the sometimes downright ugly. Now, we have a selection of verses on our uh, creamy colored sheets here. Uh, it's not everything by any stretch of the imagination on what the Bible says about money. Just a small selection. But I hope it would be helpful. It might be an idea perhaps just to take this home and to read it and uh, maybe to, to, to get a bit more of the context and so on, but to pray through those things, uh, those verses from the Bible. So do take one of those home. Um, and let's pause and let's think. I'd like to imagine this. I'd like you to imagine a world where there is contentment in place of coveting. I'd like you to imagine a world where there is generosity instead of grasping. I'd like you to imagine a world where there is peace instead of financial anxiety. I'd like you to imagine a world where you control your money instead of your money controlling you. A world where 
you're loving to use your money somehow with whatever way it would be for the glory of God rather than loving money for the difference it can make to us. Now, at the end of the series of, of these sermons, uh, I hope we'll have a better understanding of money and, and how uh, we get to that kind of place. But this morning, I want to look at the good and the bad. And first of all, the good. So uh, money, the good. Uh, what is money? Well, um, here's a £20 note. This is money, isn't it? Now, here's a £20 note. Now, what can you do with £20? Well, there are all sorts of things, aren't there? So, for instance, I could use this to uh, buy some flowers for a grieving neighbour. Or I could use this to buy some food for the family. Or I could use this to be nice to someone who's trying to blackmail me. Or I could use this to celebrate England's win yesterday with a quite expensive bottle of wine. Or I could purchase some travel insurance to give me security for my holiday. And so on. Money is a stored ability to do things, and it's a convenient mechanism for society to exchange goods and services. That's the economist speaking. And uh, and money, wealth, it's not a bad thing. Actually, money is a good thing. Let's be clear about that. Money is a good thing. Abraham, for instance, way back in Genesis chapter 13, he had loads of uh, possessions and so on, and then God gave him a whole country. Promised him a whole country. He was pretty wealthy. And uh, we remember, though, in all this, look at Psalm 24 there on our sheets, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Or another one, Haggai 2, for instance, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Or back to Job 41, the second bit there, everything under heaven belongs to me. So we need to remember that God gives us money and the ability to create wealth. The verse there at the top from Deuteronomy 8 is uh, talking about this ability to to produce wealth. It is he, verse 18 there, who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So the starting point when we think about money, for instance, is that God created the world and all that's in the world and has got lots of potential for good. The pound coin in your pocket has potential for good. Money itself is not an evil thing. Sure, it can accomplish evil things, but money itself is not. Money itself is a good thing. Now, some Christians have taught down the ages um, that the Bible never backs it up. And so some Christians say, well, we should live in poverty and we should all become monks and nuns and give it all away and so on. Oh, sorry, give. I didn't mention about giving money away. Okay. Um, all right, so that we have to be voluntarily poor. On the other extreme, for instance, uh, when I go to Brazil to visit Mission uh, uh, Nelson, our mission partner over there, uh, he will often point out a prosperity gospel church. Uh, in fact, the biggest one in the city where they live in Belo Horizonte has got 1,500 people, and we last drove past it, uh, going to church. They seem to have meetings every night there. And the idea of a prosperity gospel is if you're godly, God will bless you with material riches, so you'll get rich. It's rather attractive if you're rather poor. But I want to say that is a poisonous and unbiblical and actually a cruel heresy. Very nice for the pastors, of course, because they've got to show that their preaching is right by being rich themselves. So they'll be presumably be paid a nice a nice packet and they'll be able to live in nice houses, drive expensive cars and in some cases have their own private jets. They have to be rich, don't they? Otherwise, their ministry wouldn't hold water. But there's never one, no one ever told them that Jesus never had two pennies to rub together. 
Instead, let's be biblical in our thinking. Money is a good thing. There's no need to be embarrassed about having money. We should be thankful and enjoy God's good gifts. At the same time, let's remember who's God. And it's not us, and it's not money. There is only one God, and it is the God who we love who gives us the money that we have. Uh, as American pastor John Piper, he said this, Use of money is an act of worship, either of Christ or of something else. So we've laid down that foundation. Money itself is a good thing, but there are many dangers attached to it as well. So I want to look now at some of the dangers. We've looked at the good and now the bad. Now, um, Money is not evil, but it can be dangerous. So right at the bottom of the front page there, Matthew 19, Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that is a big warning, isn't it? Because you may not feel you're particularly rich, but if you are, take that to heart. And if you look at ourselves on a global, you know, with a global comparison in mind, uh, if someone from, uh, used to have mission partners in Malawi, for instance, I met someone there who fed a family of four on £10 a month just a few years ago. He would say, we are exceedingly rich. So in all this, we want rules, don't we? Our natural thing is to think, well, uh, you know, let's let, give me some rules. What would be uh, a right percentage of our uh, income for committed Christians to spend on a holiday each year, for instance? How about what percentage of our income might, would be, might it be right to spend on the, um, entertaining other people or going to the theatre? At what threshold do we become greedy? Is it okay for a Christian to own a Mercedes? How about a new Mercedes? What about a very old Mercedes? What about a very, very old Mercedes? God wants us to develop good attitudes, good attitudes to money, whether or not we actually have any. So there was a 19th century Scottish minister called George MacDonald. He said this, It is not the rich man only who is under the dominion of things. They too are slaves who, having no money, are unhappy for the lack of it. So we're, I'm not saying that uh, we're not getting at those who have a lot of money. We're not getting at those who maybe drive a Mercedes, not at all. But we need to ask uh, those sorts of questions, do, don't we? And the first thing I want to say under this little heading here is this. Money deceives. Money deceives. Now, we tend to think that money will give me security. Because then I can afford all the insurance in the world and so on. Uh, and money whispers, doesn't it? Safety for the future. You've got a good pension. You've got a good holiday insurance policy. You've got good life insurance. It's, it's good for the future. And money makes us think somehow I can buy happiness. I can buy security. I can buy contentment. I can buy fulfillment. If only I have this food processor, that car, that jacket, that insurance policy and all the rest of it, then life's going to be okay. Well, a Christian, though, will want to learn contentment and then not be pushing on to the next thing and will know that contentment actually doesn't come from money. So, for instance, in Philippians 4, verse 12 there, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, 
whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Contentment. Now, we can only do that through knowing Jesus and through living for Jesus because we want to be content in him. But money deceives us into thinking, doesn't it, that the future uh, is now good and certain because I've got, a, I've got a significant bank balance. But the Bible is perfectly clear that money and wealth are so uncertain. So uh, we're going to have specific sermons on 1 Timothy 6 in a couple of weeks' time. But you can see there in verse 17, uh, it talks about wealth, which is so uncertain. And yet wealth itself shouts to us, wealth is very certain, isn't it? I'm very certain. You know, you've got numbers in your bank account when the statement comes through and so on. Actually, the Bible teaches us that's not true. It's uncertain. We don't know the future. We don't know what's going to happen financially and so on uh, in this country or in any other country. Uh, God is the one who richly provides. That Piper quote again, the use of money is an act of worship, either of Christ or of something else. So be careful because money deceives. It deceives us uh, as to its permanence, as to its abilities, as to what it can give you. And in the end, it just comes up short every time. Money is deceptive. Second, or B, money is dangerous. Money is dangerous. Makes you forget God and worship money. Or perhaps uh, the most insidious of all, money can lead to greed. Money is dangerous because it can dominate you. And you end up serving money. The trouble is, you can't serve God and money. It's either one or the other. Look at Matthew there. Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. And at the end, you cannot serve both God and money. It's either one or the other. That means we need to choose. It means we need to keep on choosing. Every day, a clear decision. Which God am I going to serve today? And if you end up serving money, worshipping money... It means by definition, you've uh, forgotten God. Just have a glance up at Deuteronomy 8 there at the top. Promised land given by God. Just make sure you remember how much God has given. Don't forget God. So uh, uh, money is dangerous. It promises much. It delivers little. A little further on in, uh, in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 12. I don't think I've written that one down here. I've got that one here. No. Um, but the parable of the rich fool, Luke 12, 13 to 21. There's a greedy, successful guy. He's doing really well. Uh, and then bang. He drops dead. And he's face to face with God. And what does God say to him? You fool. Greed. I think in many of us, it's a blind spot. I mean, some sins are obvious, aren't they? Pride is obvious, selfishness is obvious, bad language and swearing, this and that is obvious and so on. Um, well, how about greed? What about financial idolatry? Because they tend to go under the radar, don't they? And I think we, it's a good idea for us to ask ourselves from time to time, am I being greedy? Ephesians 5, top of the back of the sheet here. Uh, no immoral, impure, or greedy person. Such a person is an idolater. So greed is idolatry. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? So we need to watch against that. Do you browse the catalogues? 
thinking, oh, I wish I had that. Do you go into someone's kitchen and say, oh, I'm going to start saving up for a kitchen like that? Or do you compare yourself with others and think, oh, if only I could dress like that and so on? Um, I like a little rule a friend of mine uh, uses for any big purchase. I'll let you define what you mean by big. But he'll always wait two weeks before he goes and buys it. No rash purchases for Mike. So money can be dangerous. Take care. Uh, the third thing here is money disappoints. Money disappoints. Uh, it promises much. It delivers little. Money will fail you now. And you can be absolutely certain money will fail you in the future. So uh, Ecclesiastes 5. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. So if we love money, it's like drinking seawater. Promises to quench the thirst, actually it makes the thirst worse. Or Proverbs 15, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. And the fear of the Lord is the key thing here, isn't it? Growing in our love of God, serving and aiming to please him each day. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, we may have loads of money, but if we have our eyes on Jesus, it means it isn't that important to us as it used to be. Uh, Or we may have uh, uh, less money, but we're left for keeping our eyes on Jesus. We say, he is the most important. He is the one for me. You've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is not money. Sadly, for many of us in this world, and I guess for some of us here today, money is the main thing. It's not going to be very helpful to you. It'll let you down. The main thing is not money. You can't take it with you. And it won't prepare you for heaven. It's 1 Timothy 6 and verse 7 there. We brought nothing into the world and we take nothing. That is nothing out of it. When we die, we take nothing with us. So in the end, if we're hoping for wealth, that that will make a difference to our eternal life. That is going to be a whopping big disappointment to you. You put your eggs in the wrong basket. Quite simply, your money abandons you when you die. So money disappoints, then briefly and finally, uh, the final one here is this. Uh, money destroys. What? Well, the real love for money can destroy you, your soul, and others. Actually, most notably, those you love the most. And isn't that tragic? So, uh, 1 Timothy 6 again. Um, and verse 9 and 10, the love of, or verse 10, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Not money itself, but just loving it, loving it far too much. And, and he says some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many griefs. Well, we're going to have more on that in two weeks time. But, uh, do you believe that? Do you really believe a love of money is a root of all evil? Clearly what had happened there, as people have wandered off, not just kind of marched off to live, but just drifted away from the faith. It had happened in Paul's time as he was reading that. They wanted to get rich. Money was their motivator. And actually, didn't work out. It never works out. A sober lesson. So, if you're, if you become the kind of person who's driven, ruled by money, 
then you'll tend to destroy other people too. And it usually starts with your own family. Greed is a killer. So let's, well, there's lots to consider, isn't there? And I've whizzed through this quite quickly. There are lots of things to consider. Do read those verses again. Uh, Money is a good thing. Money is a good thing. It's not a problem to have money per se. It's not a problem per se to have lots of money. The issue is our attitude to it and what we're going to do with it. And, uh, um, but, and we need to know and we need to remember that money can deceive. It can be dangerous, will be a disappointment, and it can destroy. So let's be careful about money and be, uh, uh, and let's be self-aware and thankful to God for all his generous provision and keep God, God, number one, the Lord of our lives. Let's pray. Father, there's lots to think about money and that's a, a brief little introduction really. Pray, Father, you'd help us to address our attitudes so that we may become more Christ-like in our attitudes to the money that you have given each one of us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.